This is the Financially Free Entrepreneur, the business and personal finance podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs that's aimed at helping you create financial freedom for yourself from your business. I'm your creator and host, Chris Jolly, a serial entrepreneur and business and money mindset coach who helps business owners that are already making money figure out how to keep more of what they make and what to do to make it grow. All right, Bex and Intimacy Coach Tilly Storm, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is exactly that you do and how long you've been it for? Hey, Chris. Yes, I am a sex and intimacy coach. I've been doing this full time since 2018. I started a podcast, The Multi Gasping Fama, and I did that in December 2017, but didn't start making money in my business till about May 2018. Okay, so about five years. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, what got you into this business? How did you get started, or why did you get interested in it? Well, definitely. Not because I knew anything about business. (laughs) I got into it because I knew that's what I was here to do with my life. I worked at a birth center for a while and witnessed a bunch of women after having kids. They really struggled with their body, with their sexuality after birth. And I felt a strong pull to help women in that area. And I had had my own journey around my body and sexuality and healing and integrating some deep wounds from being raised in a very religious Southern Baptist home. So I knew it sounded like the direction I wanted to go. I wanted the lifestyle and freedom to be able to work online and to not feel like I was subject to someone else's schedule. That was really important to me. And working in in a birth center definitely did not grant you that sort of luxury. So I did some trainings in sex, love, and relationship coaching in 2016 and 17, and I've been doing it ever since. Very cool. You know, you brought up something really interesting there, which is something that I talk about a lot, and that's that people who go into business don't tend to go into business because they know a lot about running a business or they know a lot about business finance. So tell us a little bit about how... How financially literate do you feel that you are now? Or where did you start? You know, tell us a little bit about that. Wow. Well, when I first started, I had no idea about anything. My dad was a plumber, air conditioner, and heating. He did that line of work growing up. He had his own business doing it, and he did not teach me anything. So I knew nothing about business. No one in my family except my father had a business. When I started coaching, I had a lot of success early on. Pretty different than most coaches. I think this field was really prime for, especially niche-wise, for sexuality intimacy coaching. There weren't a lot of them out there. And I just noticed that I had a a way with people and being able to connect with them. So with a lot of early success, I went from, you know, being a single mom on food stamps, wondering how in the world I was going to pay rent to making over six figures and less than a year and a half. I think it was about maybe months or so. And having never had money like that, I blew through it. (laughs) I think I had a, a, a big hesitation around wanting to feel free to be able to spend money on what I wanted to spend money on because I'd never had that luxury in my entire adult life. So I didn't save, I didn't invest by any means, I didn't budget. It just kind of felt good to get that out of my system for a little bit. So I did not know anything about budgeting or finances or whatever. It was it was all new. I had to learn. 
That's awesome. And that's a really great success story and a big win to share with our listeners to know that you can start with relatively no knowledge and still scale your way, build a business that works for you and learn along the way. So now, why don't you tell me a little bit about Tilly? How much debt do you have? How do you use it in your business? Yeah. I generally don't carry much debt in my business, but there are definitely times when I do. Right now is one of them. When you're in this coaching space, it's really easy to get into the whole coaching thing where you feel like you constantly need another program, need another program. But I've been pretty good at, you know, being really focused and giving myself time to come back to teachers or people that I feel really aligned with. Now I have about 11000 maybe $10,000 in business debt because I did sign up for a coaching program recently where I took out a working capital loan for it. But it's one of those things that I don't really consider that debt like a bad thing because every time I've invested in coaching for my business, when it felt really aligned and good, it's always helped, you know, get to a next level on it. I have some of that and that, that loan I took out was also for some advertising in my business, which I didn't have a budget for. So to get started with some advertising, you know, is definitely needed to take on some debt in order to grow. Yeah, that's where I'm at with business debt. That's excellent. It sounds like you've kind of recognized the difference between good debt and bad debt and where to employ it. One of the things that I run into a lot with people who are still living paycheck to paycheck or don't really have a financial plan is that they're not using debt the right way. And so they go out and get something that they want and put it on their credit card because they've been working real hard. And so their debt is a vacation or a new car that they don't really need, that sort of thing. Whereas you're using it to reinvest into your business and to bring you more revenue. So there's a return on investment there rather than buying something that's going to go down in value the more that you use it. Oh, for sure. Awesome. Another question that I really love to ask people, Tilly, because for one in three business owners, they don't have any retirement planning at all, haven't really necessarily even thought about it. And I know this is the case because I have been there myself before. And I was definitely that one of three business owner, not once, but twice. It's so easy when you're in business just to take all the money that you make and put it back into your business. So do you want to tell me a little bit about what your retirement plans are? Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say that I have a retirement plan per se. Like I said, I definitely spent the first three years of my business just spending everything I made and being dumb and getting it out of my system, which, you know, I look back and I don't really regret that either because I deserved it. (laughs) I worked my butt off my whole life, hardly making any money. And then when I finally came into it, it felt good to be able to allow myself certain luxuries and, you know, fun trips and things. I don't regret it, but I'm also very thankful that I learned that we don't get to do that forever, that there's definitely a happy medium and being able to invest and save money was just as important as being able to allow myself to have nice things as well. I think they're both important. So I did not have any savings or investments until two years ago. But as far as retirement plans go, not really there yet. (laughs) That's a, a different game, I guess. A lot of it being I don't know what all is even available. 
Hmm. I mean, I've definitely looked into a couple of things, heard about a couple of things, but have not made any serious action steps to having a clear-cut retirement plan. Fair enough. I think a lot of people would be too uncomfortable to even talk about that because everybody has this idea about where there's to be at what stage in their life regarding retirement. Okay. I want to revisit a little something we talked about before you were talking about your dad and having had a business. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you learned about money and finances growing up as far as messages you got, whether it was from your family, from your, your community, from, you know, culture? Yeah. Well, as far as money goes, what I learned from my family is that they were very, very tight. <laughs> they did not splurge much at all. At least my dad never did. I don't ever remember him buying anything nice for himself. My mom was definitely the spender in the family. And, and even so, she was a coupon clipper and still to this day won't buy anything unless it's on sale. So as far as investing, I do remember them talking about that a lot. My mom was a teacher, so she had really great benefits and retirement plans and all of these things kind of already built into her job. And I remember them having discussions about it. And I remember them going and talking about the big economic downturn, I guess it was a recession in 1982, 84, somewhere around there. They would talk about it even in the 90s and how scarred they were. Oh my God. It seems like, and I don't know the truth behind it, but that they had put a lot of money in the stock market and lost a lot of it as well. So from my perception is that they had a big aversion to taking risks with investments because they'd been burned. So everything I remember is that they were really into CDs and doing things for the long term, like a little bit of gain over a long period of time, but at the same time, <laughs> not really getting a lot of value from that. They played it very safe. They're both retired. My mom has great retirement, but my dad has definitely struggled, you know, having enough for retirement. I do know that. So as far as what I learned from them, it's just don't spend it. <laughs> so you have it. And hopefully it's enough for when you retire. And to me, that sounded very scarce and very lack consciousness. So it's definitely something that I've looked into myself and had to, to go into healing some deep wounds around that. That's not surprising because a lot of people don't really have a plan for retirement. Sometimes they just don't want to deal with it because it seems so overwhelming to them that they don't want to look at it. And a lot of people are actually looking at a declining standard of living when they finally stop working, which is you know far different than the brochure about the golden years that they try to sell everybody on. So I want to ask you, what would financial freedom look like for you? This is something that I talk to entrepreneurs about all the time to help them get clear on exactly what being financially free means to them, because of course, we all have a different idea of what that is and looks like. So what does that look like for you? Right now, it looks like having enough savings to be able to take some time off this past year, just feeling a little overwhelmed, burned out from business for so many years consecutively, but having savings to be able to draw upon if and when I choose to do that feels really good to me right now. So it's my main goal and focus is to have that, that savings available. But in terms of more future goals, definitely financial freedom means really hitting a next level in my business that requires way less time 
of me and way more money. <laughs> and I'm currently taking the steps to make that happen, which is amazing. You know, really stepping into a premium market space around what I offer, but using that additional income to funnel into a retirement plan and to continue building up a investment portfolio because these are all new things to me. I made maybe $20,000, $24,000 a year before I started coaching. So I never had the money to invest and save and all those things. So it wasn't something I was doing until recently. So yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a newbie in this space anyhow. <laughs> Talk a little bit more about the challenges you faced either from a personal or a business financial perspective. What kind of blocks have you run up against as you've been starting and growing your business? Oh, yeah. If you're in a service-based how it's very up and down, very seasonal for some of you, but not having consistent income every month can drive you mad. <laughs> it's challenging because it makes it hard to plan. You know, you have all these business coaches out there. Oh, we'll get you consistent 10K months and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you might have a formula for that. And that's great. But that doesn't mean it actually happens every single month. Definitely my biggest struggle has been how do you contend with inconsistent income? You know, I can make anywhere between $30,000 a month to $5,000 in a month, nothing changes, right? Like I've still got the same funnels and the same things going on in my business, but making it consistent has been a challenge and knowing how it's taken a couple of years of making consistent annual income to where I've been able to predict, okay, if I keep doing this, I'm probably going to make the same amount that I did last year. And that's nice. But in the beginning, it was not like that at all. <laughs> and it made it nearly impossible to be able to save or invest. And I think that's something that a lot of business owners can relate to because you face inconsistent income a lot, especially when you start your business, because like you said, you don't necessarily know where the business is going to come from, when, what in puts yield, what output in revenue and that sort of thing, which you can then begin to predict a little bit better as you go along. And when you're in those different feast and famine modes, it, it can be hard to stick to the things that we teach people to do to work on becoming financially free, because when it doesn't seem like there's extra money, the first thing that can easily go out the window is, well, I'm just not going to invest right now. I just won't put money away for this right now. And what I always tell people is that you need to think of yourself as a pay yourself first entrepreneur. And no matter what happens, anytime you get money, the first person to get paid is you. Yeah. And most people run their businesses the other way around and they'd pay all the bills first. And then if there's any money left over, then they pay themselves. You mean the business bills? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very challenging. I mean, I think people are at a different stage in their life, but I'm definitely at the stage where my life is fairly expensive. I've got almost two teenagers now, 12 year old and 14 year old, and it is a lot more expenses than it was when they were young, you know? So $5,000 a month to me, that's not, that, that doesn't even cover my bills. Right. But for other people it does. So as you know, my family has grown older and my kids are older, it's, been a fluctuation. So, you know, those first couple of years, it was hard to even know, like, okay, you know, at first it was just making $5,000 consistently a month years ago, you know, but now that's not going to cut it. <laughs> so again, it's just been super hard to predict things, but now that I've got some time behind me, it's a lot easier. Awesome. So of course, no financial advice, but 
what are you investing in right now? Are you investing right now? Well, like I said, my main goal right now is just to have the six months of saving, you know, six months of bare minimum expenses there for me available and to be able to put in something that's a little more high yielding than the current savings account that it's in right now, which you and I are already talking about. Once I get there, I kind of go off that premise, like don't invest what you can't afford to lose. And right now, what's more important to me is to be able to have the savings and knowing that that's always there and then being able to invest. So while I might put away a couple hundred dollars every now and then into investment, I'm not like going out and dumping thousands of dollars in investments at this point, even though it's probably a pretty good time to do it. But again, it's just not my number one priority. So, you know, as far as crypto goes, it's, you know, who knows if it's the bottom of the barrel right now, but I do have some there. I have the savings right now and we're looking into a couple of much more ethically aligned stocks, which is a hard one these days because there's a lot of businesses out there that I just don't want to be giving my money to that might be doing really well, but I just don't feel aligned to my money being there and, and supporting you know, certain types of businesses. So finding one that feels really good to me is important. Yeah. People often don't realize how important having that cushion is because it puts you in a much better position to invest and to be ready to invest. Because one of the biggest problems people run into is liquidity because they keep investing and keep investing. And then the market goes down and they need their money. And, you know, then they're doing the buy high and sell low and losing their money because they need it right then. Whereas if, you know, especially right now with as much as the market's a drop, if you have a cushion set aside and your stock goes down 60 or 70 percent if you have that cushion so you can get through any unexpected surprises emergencies losing your job that sort of thing then you can continue to look for good investment opportunities and wait for the investments you've already made to recover right yep for sure what do you wish you had known or been taught about personal finance before you started or business finance like if you could go back to yourself when you start your business and say, learn this one thing, what would it be? Mm, well, I've had a bookkeeper and financial projection person. <laughs> so he did more than bookkeeping and that was so helpful. I've learned a lot about paying more attention to my finances, knowing where things go. You already mentioned the first couple of years or just spending everything and not knowing where it was going at the same time, don't really regret it. So I can't say I wish I would have known those things because I'm just glad I got it out of my system. But I am very happy at the same time to have a much more structured approach to things or at least a self-aware and conscious approach to money. If I were to have played it smart and done things right from the beginning, I definitely would have needed to you know, know, know how to use spreadsheets, how to use a simple spreadsheet to predict income over the months on, you know, clients that have payment plans and subscriptions, those sort of things. I wasn't tracking any of that. I definitely would have not bought things so spontaneously. How I work and operate now is like anything that I want to buy. I put it on my Excel spreadsheet and it stays there until I'm ready to buy it because it keeps me from making spontaneous purchases that I haven't really thought about. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great little tip for all of you out there who are impulsive spenders. Put it down on a list somewhere, write it down and wait a week or two and see if you still want that thing. Because as we continue on our journey to financial freedom, especially if we are going through a period where we don't have as much money coming in, we don't have as much extra capital, 
we want to reward ourselves because things get hard. So sometimes we see something like, oh, I want it. And we just get it without thinking about it. And then two months later, we don't even remember why we bought it or it's thrown in a closet somewhere. That's money that could have gone, as you said, something that's more aligned to your goals and where you're trying to get right now. So that's definitely a great little tip. And that's great advice to yourself as a younger entrepreneur. What advice would you give to somebody who's either just starting a business now or just learning about business finance? Well, I don't think many people have the a similar story as me in terms of having made barely anything or at least near minimum wage and then suddenly making six figures. That's probably not very common. Most people that are starting businesses probably are coming from a stable career or have more business acumen and knowledge than I did. And that's a good thing. <laughs> but if you're coming into it from the space of having had a more stable financial path than I did, advice I would give is to ensure that you're actually putting away 10% right off the bat. And if you're already doing that, can you increase that another percent every month until you're up to 20%, you know, being able to stretch yourself. I was having kids and raising a family and not really working and thinking about those things in my 20s and early 30s. So I didn't have to fall back on. And it was like me starting from scratch. So 10% for me was a lot even 10% with stable income is, it feels like a lot. So I, I got to start there, but for people already doing that, you know, like, okay, if you're currently investing or saving 15, can you make it 17 and just consistently increasing how much you can put towards savings and investments in retirement so that you're in a better position later on? Yeah, they've done a, a number of studies and they found that actually the easiest way to get people to save more is to agree to save more later. So it, it seems hard to sometimes come up with that 10% right now or to be willing to agree to put away an increased amount of income when you're already saving. But if you say, oh, well, the next time I get a raise or in the case of an entrepreneur, you know, the next time I have an extra account or another win in business or a big chunk of change come my way, then, you know, you can invest that. So it's just about making that agreement that eventually you're going to work yourself up, you know, like you said, if you're a 10% to 11, 11 to 12, and it's easier, just like we like delayed gratification, it's easier to delay that till the next day and seems like an easier thing to agree with. So I know, especially with retirement plans, they've done that quite successfully where people will agree to put more and more away till the 401k as they continue to get raises and have gone from, you know, having trouble saving two to 3% to putting away 18, 20% of their income eventually. Right. And it's so easy when you work for someone else and it comes out immediately before you, the check you get is just after it's already been put away. I actually want to want to add that as one of the struggles because I was married before and he worked for this big huge oil company and that's how it happened. You know, it was like the money came out before he ever saw the rest, right? So it was just like out of sight, out of mind. Whereas when you're an entrepreneur, if you're not using a payroll system, like I haven't done payroll because it's just me. If it's just you, it's harder because you've got to have the self-control to be able to put it away <laughs> before you find other ways to spend it. So putting away the investments and the savings immediately upon receipts of income in your Stripe or PayPal or whatever account, it's so important. That's definitely what I found to be one of my biggest challenges when I first went into business for myself. Like you said, you know, I had worked for a bunch of corporate companies. And so I also had the thing where the money just got put away and they never saw it. And when it's automated like that, it's real easy. But as an entrepreneur, you don't have that. Now you can set it up for yourself. And, you know, there's a series of steps you can go through to 
make sure you're a paying yourself first, like we talked about, and then B that a percentage of that money is automatically going, whether it's to your brokerage account or where it is that you're going to use it to invest so that you can immediately make those contributions and have that money in there without having to think about it. But if it's just up to you, you have to build that habit because if it's not automated and you don't build a habit, then it's easy to forget or be like, well, you know, things were tight this time. So I will invest a little bit less this time and then more next time. So even if you don't set it up automatically in your head, you just need to know, hey, just like taxes come out or whatever else, this 10% is already gone. Right. Yep. All right. Yeah, let me ask you, I love to ask this question. If you could wave a magic wand and create whatever you wanted for yourself personally and from a business perspective for your finances, what would that look like? Being able to choose what clients I work with and how many. Charging premium rates and really owning that, owning my worth and value and working when I want. <laughs> Not because I have to. Which I'm about there. So we're, we're almost there. <laughs> It's, it's still in the works. So to me, that's freedom because it's no longer I have to get up and do these things. Being in a mainstream coaching business for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's a job. It started as something that I was extremely passionate about, but it very quickly became a job that I get to show up for and then lost a little bit of myself and as well. So I'm taking the right steps to change that and that's good. But yeah, financial freedom is about me remembering why I started this in the first place and, and knowing that I get to pick and choose when I want to work and who I want to work with and owning it. That's awesome. It sounds like you've gotten really clear on that. And that's one of the things that so many business owners struggle with because they start a business because they have this vision for yourself. Like you said, you know, of being able to work doing what they want to do with who they want to, setting their own hours, making however much money they decide they want, that sort of thing. And then they get thrown into the daily aspects of running a business and they lose sight of all of that. What I know I'm always talking about is that your business is a vehicle for you to create financial freedom from. So it's financial freedom for yourself from your business, because otherwise you don't have a business. You've just got another job and eventually you'll get tired of having that job. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I've been there. Yep. As much as you love it, if it's still something you have to show up for, it's still a freaking job. So yes, you're, you can do your passion in life. You can do what you know you're put on this earth to do. But at the end of the day, if you can't pick and choose who you want to work with and when you want to work with, are you really all that free? And the answer for me is definitely a big fat no. So there's definitely some things to get to change. That's awesome, Tilly. I want to thank you again for joining us today. Real quick, what was your request for your final meal? Let's say it's your glorious last supper and you can only have one more meal on this earth. What are you asking for? Chips and salsa. <laughs> the infamous chips and salsa. I could eat it every day. <laughs> thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next time. Especially because this is a new podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could go ahead and do all of the things. Hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app or wherever you're listening to this now. Leave us a five-star review and tell anybody you know who might benefit from this content. All of this will help to ensure that you stay up to date on when new episodes are released and get the best content to help you in your journey to creating financial freedom. If you've listened this far, chances are you're an entrepreneur looking to become more financially literate and create financial freedom for yourself from your business. The Financially Free Entrepreneur Podcast is definitely here to help with that. My goal is to continue to share what I've learned about using your business as the tool to create financial freedom. But let's face it, it would take me years to share with you everything you need to know 
via these episodes. Creating financial freedom is something that most people never even consider, let alone make a plan for or take action towards. It's something almost no one was taught anything about. Doing it as an entrepreneur is even more challenging, especially without support. So if you're ready to get clear on what financial freedom looks like for you, come up with an action plan and get the support systems and accountability you need, I invite you to consider the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur. I created the program to help entrepreneurs just like you get a handle on their personal and business finances and start building confidently towards financial freedom. And it's how you can discover ways to take 10 years off your retirement, add an extra five or six figures to your portfolio, and finally get clear on what numbers you should be tracking in your business and why. You'll get one-on-one sessions with me, as well as weekly group coaching calls. Together, we'll gain clarity around your financial goals and what being financially free would actually look like for you. Then we'll put together a customized game plan to get you there and the accountability to see you through. And by the way, you're also going to get all the spreadsheets you need to run your numbers, lifetime access to the materials, including any updates, and entry into our members-only community. In addition to all the knowledge, coaching, community, and systems that you need to create financial freedom from your business, you'll also receive a free financial assessment, a retirement planning session, and guided meditation aimed at helping you embody the feeling of true financial freedom. So yeah, you can just listen to the free content on these podcasts to help you move towards becoming a financially free entrepreneur. And sure, you'll likely see some results, or you can make the decision to commit to learning, implementing, and embodying what you need to know to create the financially free life you dreamed of when you started your business journey. Click the link in the show notes to answer a quick questionnaire, and you'll be on your way to joining the Abundantly Infinite Entrepreneur.